The Big 12 could be the Pac-12 to market with their new media rights. Is that a good thing? We're discussing it on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Locked On Cougars is your first and only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. So a huge thank you for your support of the podcast. As always, as our goal here, simply stated, is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans out there. So thank you so much for making some time to join us right here on the show. Uh, by way of introduction, for some of you who may be checking us out for the very first time, I haven't done this in a minute. My name is Jake. I work for the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah as the executive producer of DJ and PK in our morning drive slot. And then I moonlight over here uh, talking all things BYU on this podcast. So it's a privilege to be with you guys and been covering BYU for the entirety of their independent era. I first came on as a professional covering BYU the very first year of independence in 2011. So it's been a long, long ride uh, covering the Cougars, but I absolutely am privileged to do what I do. Uh, let's dive in today and talk about some big news from Dennis Dodd, a guy that I think is more in the know on the Big 12 and what's happening with the future for that conference because guess what? He is from smack dab in the middle of Big 12 country. He is based in Kansas City, Missouri, which is for lack of a better term, like the center spot uh, of all things Big 12. And this is the headline. The Big 12 could have a new media rights deal in place with ESPN and Fox within a matter of weeks, sources tell CBS Sports. Uh, the league has been aggressively pursuing a new deal ahead of the conference's formal negotiating window in 2024. The current deal, obviously, as we all know, expires after the 2020 uh, in 2025. And then also adds this. I'm going to get this last thing before we talk about this. It says, while a new deal this far ahead of the expiration of the current contract is not assured, it could position the Big 12 ahead of the Pac-12 in terms of securing more lucrative broadcast windows. The Pac-12 is currently on the open market for a new contract as its current deal expires in 2024. And then Big 12 uh, Commissioner Brett Yormark told CBS Sports, uh, this comes Wednesday, if a new deal is not finalized in the near term, there is the option to wait the 16 months for the formal negotiating win to, window to begin. Uh, okay, folks, let me start here. This is big news because if the Big 12 can beat the Pac-12 to market, that means, like Dennis Dodd says, you can lock in some of those windows for TV that the Pac-12 may be trying to kind of get into and trying to lock up on their own with regards to their open marketing and not marketing uh, negotiating rights. Now, the thing about this is I think the Big 12 is very content to continue working with both Fox and ESPN. They have had uh, pretty good relationships uh, during their current run with both of those partners. We all know that Fox backed out of the uh, Pac-12 deal once they stole the top two properties that they wanted and got them into the Big Ten, speaking of USC and UCLA. So, in essence, uh, the Big 12, I know, this, the Pac-12 is hoping that ESPN and a smattering of potential, I guess you'd say, streaming partners, CBS Sports maybe, etc. I don't know who else, TBS, TNT, I don't know what you're looking for, but... 
You're probably hoping that those entities step up to uh, help you guys out if you're speaking of the Pac-12. But I think this is huge. If Brett Yormark can get the Big 12 locked into a deal that is going to be more lucrative, because in this story uh, from Dennis Dodd, uh, he says that, uh, ask how a new media rights figure could surpass the $43 million per program that the Big 12 just paid out to its members. Brett Yormark told CBS Sports, I'm a good salesman, unquote. Now, that's a guy who is confident in his ability. And Brett Yormark, he's got some New York in him, some New Jersey in him. Uh, you, you know that Northeastern, like, go get it, but take no prisoners type personality? Brett Yormark's got that, folks. He's working with one of the top uh, marketing agencies whose uh, clientele includes the NBA, a guy that he came from the Brooklyn Nets. He's worked with NASCAR. He's been around different sports entities, and I think he is bullish on his chances of securing some big money for the Big 12. Now, how does relates to BYU is BYU originally based on all the reporting that I had read and or heard is that BYU going into the Big 12 in 2023 they were expected to be a half share member for the final two years of the Big 12 media rights deal so if that figure is correct 43 million or thereabouts BYU was looking at a 21 and a half million dollar payout based on the uh, current payout from the Big 12 for the for the first two years now if they do push this to market does that mean that BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF, the other new schools coming into the conference, will they be full share members right off the bat? That's the big question mark that I don't think we have an answer on, but I would imagine that if ESPN and Fox are going to sign off on this, and also conversely, the Big 12 schools, including Texas and Oklahoma, if they're going to sign off on this new deal, I would think that BYU and the other three new schools, Cincinnati, Houston, UCF, like I said, I would expect that they would be saying, okay, you guys want us to lock in now. We want full revenue shares right away going into the conference. And that would be a huge, huge windfall for the BYU Athletic Department. Getting somewhere around 43, $43 million or north of that would be just huge for the Cougars because we've talked about this. BYU operates on a budget that's far less than their, than what they are projected to get in the Big 12. The, the $21.5 million, based on what I understand about BYU's history in terms of media rights, that would blow it out of the water, the most money they would have ever brought in. And if you can double that, maybe get to 45, heck, $50 million or north of that, think of the possibilities that opens up for the BYU Athletic Department. I, I'm sure they would be looking at, uh, obviously, trying to uh, upgrade a bunch of facilities. I think the facilities at BYU, like the locker room at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, and frankly, Lavelle Edwards, Stadiums could, Lavelle Edwards Stadium could use a refresh. The Smith Fieldhouse, it's a great venue, but it is old and it's dilapidated. They probably want to tear that down. The ability to brand new... Uh, Athletics campus, maybe over on the Provo High uh, property. I, I don't know, but the the possibilities, if this comes to fruition and the amount of money that BYU could be rolling in, it's uh, just cha-ching, 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 money payday for the BYU Athletic Department. And Tom Homo and crew have got to be thinking, okay, now, now we have the resources to really do some of the things we want to. And I would expect that, it, obviously, with football running the ship, when it comes to this Big 12 stuff, Kalani Satake and his crew are going to be like, all right, you've given us plenty of resources, but we need more. Continue to give us the resources that we need to go out and compete. And that... This has got the chances to be really, really, really good for the BYU Athletic Department, for the Big 12 as a whole, because if you can beat the Pac-12, who's been out there saying, well, we're not sure, I'm speaking of George Klyovkov, their commissioner, we're not sure if we're going to go hunting over there. If you can 
essentially beat them to the punch. Get yourself locked in with ESPN and Fox, by the way. Get on the good side of the major two broadcasters in college football. That would be a huge, huge win. And I think it would, Brett, your mark uh, would yet again tell George Klyovkov, eat my, eat my shorts, buddy boy. Uh, that, that's the thing about this. is that Between these two, I, I don't know this for a fact. I think there's a little bit of angst between these two. There's a little bit of posturing like, oh, you're the new guy on uh, on the scene. Speaking of George Klyovkov saying that a year after he took over the job to a guy like Brett Yormark. And Brett Yormark's like, guess what? I may be the new guy. But I'm going to beat you up. That that That's kind of the, the, the pissing match I think we're seeing play out with this. And uh, hey... If Brett Yormark can do what he does, I know that Jeff Hansen is fond of that uh, kind of that gleeful smile, like that smirk that he uh, had at Big 12 football media days. Brett Yormark's making moves, folks. And I, for one, I, I think B, I think the lucky stars out there, the BYU is going to be in the Big 12 conference. That's just uh, That alone is just absolutely gargantuan and huge for the BYU athletic department and the football program, etc. But the fact that now they could find themselves not having to go in as a half-revenue share member, maybe a full-share revenue member from the get-go and... Heck, if even if BYU was making, let's say, $10 million from ESPN, I, I don't know what the figures were, but if they were making $10 million, and it, according to Brett Yormark, he thinks he's going to up the ante with that with regards to that $43 million in a new media rights deal. If it's $45 or $50 million, you're going, you're, you're, you're 4.5 or five times the amount of money that you have had at the highest you've been at that point. It seems like the, the possibilities are limitless for the BYU athletic department. And, this just this is really really fun to see because this should excite you as a Cougar fan thinking of all the things, all the avenues, the doors, the the options that this would open for BYU, and at the same time, kind of uh, stick stick another needle in the Pac-12, whether that's snobbery that many of you out there have been very very wary of and have been upset by over the years from the Pac-12. Well, the Big 12 they can pretty much uh, strike some fear once again into the hearts of the Pac-12 and frankly, destabilize it even more. Uh, that's that's the other thing about this. It would cause, I think, some of these Pac-12 schools, I'm, I'm looking at you, Arizona, Colorado, Arizona State, Utah, whatever. They, they seem like they're just way too pompous with regards to their 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 thought process. Well, we're going to get sucked into the Big Ten. They wouldn't leave us out. Uh, wouldn't be so sure about that, guys. But here, here's the thing. It's got to give. If, if, if this comes to fruition, because it's not done yet, it's not done. Let's be very clear about this. But if it gets done, if you're the Arizona schools, you're Colorado, who is a former Big 12 member, do you think, man, they're making moves over there. And they're like, they're, they're not sitting on their hands. They're making moves. And let's also acknowledge that the Pac-12 is trying to make moves as well. But right, your mark, this is a guy who has come in and just has been like playing the hits. He's got a new uh, marketing agency that is trying to bolster the image of the Big 12. He, he Come on, how many guys are going to tell a, a national writer like Dennis Dodd, quote, I'm a good salesman, if it's saying that I can get more money for this conference? It, man, if this truly does come to fruition, and that, man... Tip the cap to Brett Yormark and say, well done, sir. That That is a fantastic thing. So I think this is very, very positive news for BYU, for the Big 12, and for the future of the conference as well. Because, like I said, I think it just adds yet another uh, shot across the bow of an already unstable uh, Pac-12 or what's going to be a Pac-10. And maybe give some of those schools some more uh, thought process about, okay, w- what's really going on here? I'm not saying that's going to cause it to fall apart and you have the Arizona schools jump right over to the Big 12, but 
I think it may give them pause once again to consider their options if it comes to it, if they need to say, you know what, maybe we should look around and see what else we can come up with. All right, uh, coming up here in just a minute, we need to talk about your guys' questions. I threw it out on yesterday's podcast asking for your guys' queries, and you guys responded in mass. We're going to get to as many of them as we possibly can in the time remaining on today's show. But we need to talk about our friends over at Sweatblock on today's show. Uh, and many of you out there, like me, have probably had an embarrassing situation, or you've had a family, friend, or a loved one be in an embarrassing situation where they have just like pitted out, they're sweating through their shirt. Think of, uh, uh, what's his name? Who's the former Arizona basketball coach? Sean Miller. Remember him in the NCAA tournament just sweating through his shirt? Well, guess what? That's what Sweatblock is here to help you guys out with. It's here to help you avoid those situations. It's going to keep you calm, cool, and collected as much as they possibly can. And that's what they're doing for all of our listeners. Sweatblock was created by a doctor to help with his own excessive sweating. So this is a guy who had the problem and said, you know what? I'm going to go out and solve my own problem for myself. It's doctor created, doctor recommended. So you know, it's good stuff. Uh, They actually sent us some product a while back and folks, I can frankly say it works. So if you or someone that you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, try sweat block, save 20% while you're at it with the promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. That's once again, the promo code locked on for 20% off at sweatblock.com. It's also available on Amazon. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. It's so much fun uh, to be talking with you guys. Let's get into your guys' questions here. We'll start off with our good friend, uh, David Ainscoff, uh, the man who calls himself shorts all year. And David, if you truly do wear shorts year-round, props to you. I did that back when I was a younger man, about half my age when I was in high school. I was a guy, six inches of snow on the ground, no problem. I'm wearing shorts. These a day, the, These days... I'm a big softy. Uh, you guys probably saw it on yesterday's podcast. I'm, I'm a big softy, and it especially translates to the cold weather out there. No longer can I be out there uh, wearing shorts all year, but props to you. But let's get to your question, and it's more of a statement, but uh, he sent this. says that uh, Kalani should be taking over a- as defensive coordinator. Eliza Tuiaki should be coaching the defensive line. Uh, Preston Hadley going back to coach safeties, and Lamb is no longer coaching a position, but focusing solely on on special teams. Now that's interesting because those are very logical moves and uh, Hans Olsen, he was on, uh, I obviously work with Hans at the KSL Sports Zone and he was talking about the fact that he thinks that Kalani Satake has taken over this defense and uh, I had a conversation with somebody after yesterday's podcast. I I said like I wasn't getting much intel on regards to what the ultimate moves were but what I was told is that Kalani Satake has stepped in and that, that was the terminology was given to me. He has stepped in. Does that mean he's calling plays? I don't know. Does that mean he's going to be uh, just essentially putting the game plan in place and telling Elisa or whoever's calling plays, this is what we're going with. Here's your play sheet. Work off of that. That's more of where I think it's going. Uh, I don't necessarily think you're going to see Kalani Sitake in the sidelines signaling in plays, but he very well could uh, potentially. So we'll we'll see how that shakes out. I think Preston Hadley moving back to work with the safeties is a very natural switch if they do want to shake it up. I, I don't necessarily think that his move to defensive ends has played out like he expected or anybody expected it to because I think the world of Preston I think he's a great human being but what what do you know what what are you best at and he's best working in the secondary and if a guy like Ed Lamb feels like he's a little overloaded with his job as assistant head coach as well as special teams coordinator maybe making Preston Hadley uh, the the safeties coach for the time being in a little bit of a shakeup moving him back there where he came from 
might do some good. Now, along the defensive line, of course, Elisa Tuiaki used to be the defensive line coach and defensive coordinator. Well, if he has had some of his defensive coordinator responsibilities taken off of his plate, ostensibly, he can take over more of the overall defensive line coaching with help from guys like Jan Jorgensen, who is an analyst working with the defensive ends. Now, Jan, as an analyst, is not technically allowed to work in on-field capacities with the defensive ends at BYU. He can be out of practice. He can observe stuff. But in meeting rooms, that's when he can do his work. He can show guys film, say, okay, and this is more of what you need to be looking at here. This is where your eyes are supposed to be. I think that these are very logical moves that David is laying out here. And frankly, it would not surprise me that those are, quote unquote, the moves, uh, the changes, if you, as you will, that have happened with the BYU football program. All right, on to our next one. Our good friend uh, Mojo out there recently returned from overseas, serving our nation as a uh, fighter pilot for the United States Air Force. I says, question for your mailbag. Do you have any comment on those rumors surrounding Jacob Conover? I've read some limited reports that coaches didn't have a ton of faith in him, which is why they have tried so hard to get Jackson Dart and why they've tried to play Jaron while he is injured. Is he a bust or is it too early to tell? And that also goes in line with another question uh, sent in via email from our good friend Brig Fawson saying, Jake, why hasn't Conover seen any garbage time minutes or seen the field at all to help back up what he has appeared to be an injured Jaron Hall? I am not saying that Jaron Hall should be replaced by any means, but it seems odd that Conover has not seen some decent minutes to this point due to Hall's health and also to give him some game time to prep for next year. Is Conover a disappointment? Can he not run the full offense? Have you heard anything about how he has looked in his status for next year? Is Conover their projected QB1 next year, or are we almost certainly going to need to hit the portal? It just seems like the coaches don't have any confidence in Conover, despite him being highly touted. Uh, oh, excuse me. Brig, it says Brig on his email address. Uh, signed Joel. Oh, okay. I think it was our good friend Joel over there on the East Coast, maybe. But uh, Joel slash Brig, uh, also Mojo. Let me say this. During training camp, what we saw as a media core, I thought that Jacob Conover had kind of turned a corner. And frankly, I'm a bit stunned, like all of you, that Jacob Conover has not been brought in in certain circumstances. The blowout at Oregon, for example, or when Jaron Hall is injured, like you said, he's got a um, shoulder. Why not give him a look? He did play the final series against uh, uh, this past week against Arkansas, but that was garbage time. The game was decided. So that doesn't really count for anything. So... I will admit, I am surprised that we have not seen Jacob Conover take more snaps, really, frankly, any snaps this year. But I think the coaching staff is hell-bent on making sure that Jaron Hall has the best platform to show what he can do as a quarterback when it comes to his pro future. Does that mean playing him more at the expense of Jacob Conover? Possibly. Let me also acknowledge that I think that Jacob Conover has not necessarily been the quote-unquote four-star sure-thing bet that BYU thought he was coming into the program. I talk about this, I think it was earlier on this summer, he put out a video about uh, him overcoming some performance anxiety issues, and he feels like he turned a corner, and frankly, maybe that's creeping back into this conversation. I don't know necessarily where things stand with Conover, and uh, honestly, I think we've done a disservice to you out there as as a media course, myself included, for not asking uh, guys like uh, uh, Aaron Roderick for some clarification on the status of Conover. So I will endeavor to find out more and get uh, Coach Roderick on the record about that. We'll see what we can do on that front. But I think that Jacob Conover, has, uh, he's a guy that I think BYU thinks is quite serviceable, but they don't uh, necessarily feel like they need to press him into action just to get him get get him into action, I guess is probably what I'm trying to say. And I, I know that sounds completely stupid, but I think that they are all in 
on giving Jaron Hall the platform to go out there and become the next NFL draft pick. And if it means, like I said, sacrificing some repetitions for a guy like Jacob Conover in order to get Jaron Hall into the best draft position possible, I I honestly think that that's what they're doing. I know that sounds like completely backwards, but... I also get it at the same time, and hopefully you guys can understand that as well. But I think Jacob Conover is a guy that's a little different of a quarterback than what BYU typically has had with both Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall. He's not necessarily the most mobile quarterback. I'm not saying he's a statue. Let me be very clear about this. But he's not a guy who is going to make plays with his feet, I think, like Zach and Jaron have been able to. So the offense also, that also may be a factor here. Let me add that, is that they may have to tweak the offense a little bit in order to utilize his skill set the best. And maybe in a game, you don't necessarily want to go whole sale and say, okay, we're putting in the package now for Jacob Conover here. I'd like to see some Conover. Frankly, I, I want to see him on the football field and see what he can do. I'd like to see Cade Fennigan as well, because he's a guy coming in from Boise State that some have uh, postulated could also be a guy in the mix uh, for BYU going into the Big 12 era. But uh, to your point, Joel, as well, I do think the transfer portal is going to be in play this offseason at quarterback. It, it'll all depend on what kind of quarterbacks ultimately hit the portal, but I think that they will obviously comb through the portal. And if they find a quarterback, speaking of Aaron Roderick in particular, Fessy Satake will have his say as well as Kalani Satake. If they find a quarterback they really like in the transfer portal, they think can be the guy, they they will clear the deck. They will bring him in. And that may cost them a guy like a Jacob Conover. He may transfer at that point, but you got to have conviction about who you're going to be playing at quarterback because it is by far the most important position on the football field. I don't think you need to look any further if any of you watch Pac-12 football than look at Oregon State. Oregon State has a roster outside of quarterback that can compete for the Pac-12 title. The problem is their quarterbacks have not been what they needed uh, to get over the top, and as such, they're playing second and third fiddle in the in the Pac-12 right now. That That's the tough part. You have to have the guy at quarterback. BYU's been lucky enough to ha- go from... Zach Wilson straight into Jaron Hall. And who knows? Uh, like, think about this. If Jaron Hall had not been at BYU, a guy like Baylor Romney just as capable, I think, of being one of the, the guy as well. But he decided, you know what? I, I'm done playing second fiddle. I'm going to move on with my life. So it happens. And I, I think that BYU will continue to look for their best options they can find out there for themselves to get themselves the, the best chance because they know quarterback play, it's absolutely at a premium. You have to have a quarterback that can get you over the top, and I, I can guarantee you they will be combing all kinds of uh, the transfer portal, all that, to find options for them. Alright, a couple other comments. We'll get to a couple other questions as well as you we round out today's show, but before we do that, let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online. It is your number one source for all of your betting football and the start of the new basketball season in the NBA. Uh, College Hoops is under three weeks away, my friends. Uh, BYU had basketball media day yesterday. Uh, I did not get a chance to attend due to a scheduling snafu at my radio station, so I'm actually planning on listening to that audio today, and we'll have more for you guys on that front as the week progresses and probably early on into next week. But the best part over at Bet Online is all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis of every game is available to you now. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all of your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events beyond on basketball and football, including Major League Baseball playoffs, MMA, boxing, golf. Who knows? They probably got cricket and tiddlywinks if you really want it. That, that's the best part about this. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. 
Thank you once again uh, for checking us out here on Locked On Cougars and making us your first listen of the day. want to encourage you guys uh, to check out Locked On Sports Today. It's a podcast. I've actually been listening to it, and they've been through like three different iterations of it during its time, during its existence with the Locked On Network. It's now called Locked On Sports Today, or LOST uh, for its acronym. And what it is, is think of it this way. If you, were a, if you are a sports fan out there at large, you like the NBA, you like Major League Baseball, you like the NFL, and you want to get caught up on the biggest headlines across Across all the major sports in 22 minutes or less, Locked On Sports Today, Locked On Sports Today is the podcast for you guys. Check it out on YouTube. It's also available wherever you get your podcast for free, just like this show. It's a really, really cool product. Uh, they do a great job, and the best part is. They have multiple other hosts from the Locked On Network. You'll hear all the personalities that we have across the network uh, being featured on that show. So check that out. All right. Uh, on to some more questions here. Uh, first things first, let's go to Thomas Beard. and says, uh, Jake, thanks for all you do. I love the podcast and I love the Cougars, even when the season feels a little bit disappointing. He says, I'm wondering if you could cover some recruiting news for BYU football. I know they're still pursuing Spencer Fano, a four-state offensive lineman from Tintview. Could you give us an update on that? I know he's getting some big-time offers, but hopefully playing with his brother will, uh, playing with his brother will be enough pull to keep him in Provo. I also think being able to get a commit from Smith Snowden would be huge for the 2023 recruiting class. And he says, also with just over half the season in the books, might there be any players on the current team you might think be, uh, might return to BYU for next season that you thought for sure would be gone? Thanks, Jake. Uh, signed, uh, T. Elliott Beard. And uh, let me let me start there. I guess I'll call you Elliot. I apologize. I'm, I'm looking at two different things when it comes to the email addresses. But Elliot, I... Uh, with regards to the uh, Spencer Fano and Smith Snowden situations, I think BYU stands fairly decent odds of getting one or both of them because both of them are local products, guys that uh, they know what BYU is all about. Smith, heck, he, he's the son of a former BYU running back in Will Snowden. And I know Will fairly well. We've done some BYU pre- and post-game coverage together. Uh, Will is very buttoned up on this. He is a guy who is letting uh, Smith really go through the process and evaluate what's the best option for him. I'll be. I'll say this. I don't think Smith Snowden leaves this state, and that could mean he goes to the University of Utah. I, that, I get that that would be a, kind of like a, like a stake in the heart of some BYU fans to have a BYU legacy go to Utah, but it's not the first time that a Ute legacy will go to BYU, Zach Wilson, and a BYU legacy goes to Utah. Look at look no further uh, than uh, what's his face Chase Hansen back in the day, and there's been there's been multiple stories of that. Heck, we had we've had guys transfer between the two programs. Austin Lee going from Utah to BYU, Devin Kafusi going from BYU you to Utah. So this happens. Uh, now with regards to Spencer Fano, he got an offer from Clemson. And when you get an offer from Dabo Swinney, uh, that means you're, you're, you're elite. I think Spencer Fano is going to continue to look around and obviously evaluate all of his options, but his older brother, Logan, for a long time, he, he committed to BYU, if you guys will recall, as an eighth grader, backed off that commitment, I think when he was going into the 10th grade. And for Two or three years there leading up to his senior season, there were some people out there who said there's no chance that Logan Fano is going to reconsider BYU. Well, what happened? BYU kept pushing. They kept in contact. They kept loving him up. And he eventually said, you know what? I don't want to go anywhere else. I want to play at home. I want to play for the program I originally committed to. And that is what he decided to do. And that that right there, I think, would be a fantastic circumstance if that's how it plays out. The Spencer looks at his options, says, I got all these offers from across the country, as you talked about, Elliot. He's got all kinds of different options. And I think that Clemson one is gigantic because Clemson doesn't just offer anybody. They, they, they kind of select people that are like, would you like to come to Clemson? Because we're a national title. That's a big, big deal. 
to have that offer in your back pocket. But I, it's my sincere hope, and I, I'm just, I'll throw a prediction out there. I think Spencer Fano is a BYU Cougar. I, I think that Logan, his family, the fact that he's from Timpview, BYU's on the upswing. There's a chance for him to play early with some of the graduations going on. I don't know if he has mission plans, etc. But the chance to play in the Big 12, play close to home with his family and his older brother, all of that, I think you roll all that up. I think it'd be a hard thing to pass on if you're Spencer Fano. And so I'm predicting that Spencer Fano's a Cougar. Now, Smith Snowden... Eh, I'm 50-50 on that one. That uh, I don't know necessarily where he goes, but I'm predicting that Smith does not leave the state. I, I think it's either Utah or BYU for Smith. All right. Uh, and now with regards to your other one, uh, Elliot, uh, with regards to players that may come back, let me consider that. I'm not actually going to, I'm going to, I'm going to postulate on that a little bit more on a future edition because I don't necessarily have anybody off the top of my head right away, but let me think about that one. I'll get back to you on that. All right. Uh, last thing here, uh, before we go on today's show, I think I had one more question and I apologize. I, I need to find out. Oh, no, I do. I know where it's exactly where it's at. It came in on YouTube. Our good friend, Jeff Henor. Uh, Jeff, by the way, I don't know that why I haven't ever mentioned this before, but my youngest brother, I maybe I have, he is serving a mission right now in Atlanta, Georgia, in the Atlanta, Georgia North Mission. He is just about a month away from coming home from his mission. Uh, and Jeff, I, I'm surprised I didn't put this together and get you connected with him at some point. Maybe we can still put that together before he comes home. But Jeff, our good friend in Atlanta, reached out with this. Is there any chance that Gunnar Romney medically redshirts this year at, at this point? I can't help but think that his draft stock has been hurt this year. He can get a fresh start next year in the Big 12 and end on a good note. Now, uh, Jeff, I get the idea of what you're saying, but Gunner was hell-bent on leaving BYU last year. And I know that he's been snake-bit with that injury this year. A lacerated kidney is just absolutely brutal luck for a guy who's been snake-bit with injuries during his time as a Cougar. But, man, I don't see him coming back. I think he may, even if it's as an undrafted free agent, I think he may uh, take the bet on that and giving himself an opportunity to just to get into the NFL and play uh, professional football. Uh, he, was, he was very, very intent on going out last year, and things didn't necessarily play out the way that he thought they would. Uh, man, I have a hard time believing. Now, maybe this goes to your question, Elliot, going back to your question. A guy like Gunner, maybe on, on, on paper, you look at it and say, yeah, it makes sense that why he would want to come back and maybe pursue that medical red shirt and have a healthy season, Big 12, all that stuff. On paper, it makes sense. But knowing what I know of Gunner and his desire to get to the pro level, I'm hard-pressed to think that he he would reconsider coming back to BYU, but he reconsidered and came back this year. So that that's the thing about it. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But it's a very, very interesting conversation to be had there. So uh, thank you to all of you, by the way. Uh, let me just final note here. All of your guys' comments. Uh, you guys sent in a ton of comments about my comments on cancer and the passing of Rick Dalton. Uh, of course, a legendary BYU fan. Uh, Cougar Jimmy in particular, uh, you sent me a, a, an epistle. And I mean this in the best way. Jimmy, your comments, man. Thank you. Uh, the, I could roll, roll down all uh, Roy Wall. I think you sent him some comments. Uh, Drew Knuckles. You guys out there, uh, this also Sam uh, Deering as well saying thank you uh, for all of the, thank you for all the comments about cancer. I've lost family, ex-family member. Like You guys out there in Cougar Nation, you guys are the reason, like I've said this before, you guys are the salt that makes this go. Like you guys are the, I don't know, the, the yeast that makes the cougar fandom rise. I'm, I'm trying to make a horrible analogy with this, but I just want to thank you guys because you guys are truly like, I've got a fun, fun community of listeners out there and you guys, your comments, your interaction with the show, your support, your, you're reaching out uh, with expressions of concern, comments, uh, 
even when you tell me I'm doing things wrong, you want me to try something different, all of it, it, I appreciate it. I I truly do because you guys, you guys, like I said, you out there, Cougar Nation, you guys are what makes this show go. You're what makes BYU fans so legendary just because your passion, your your undying uh, support of the Cougars. Programs die with apathy. There is no apathy in BYU land right now. I know that there's some consternation with regards to what's going on with the defensive staff. I, I get that. But guess, guess what? It's not apathetic. Fans have not given up on the situation. Maybe some of you have, but I don't think by and large, the vast majority of you, you're you're as ingrained with BYU as you have been at any point. And they've been on a really good run the last two years. And this year, it's off to a little more rough of a start. And it could be uh, one that maybe they don't get things turned around. It could be rougher than they have had in the past couple of years. But the passion, the passion is still there from Cougar Nation. And that's a credit to all of you out there. So, if I didn't mention your name, just understand I read all of your comments. I saw all your emails. I saw all the tweets out there. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the support. You guys are absolutely awesome, and that's where we'll end on today's show. So uh, thank you for your support. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Make sure you check out Locked On Big 12. Make that your second listen of the day, or like I mentioned, the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Either one. Uh, check both of them out. Heck, they're 22 minutes or less on the Locked On, uh, excuse me, 22 minutes or less on Locked On Sports Today, 30 minutes or less on uh, Locked On Big 12. You can have all this done in less than an hour, if, if really. So check it out. It's fantastic content. We're doing a great Great thing here on the Locked On Sports Network, and I hope you guys are enjoying it as well. That's where I'll sign off for today. We'll be back tomorrow getting you ready for Liberty and BYU. A look at the Flames. They're 6-1. How good are they really, though? Are they a paper tiger? We're getting to all of that on tomorrow's edition of Locked On Cougars, and that's where we'll end it for today. So thank you once again for your support. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. See ya.